In May of 2020, I started this podcast as a pandemic side project. I set out to learn which contrarians were worthy of emulation and how they succeeded. And by the year's end, I had de facto ended the podcast. But after some roommate drama in December and an evening curfew was imposed in Quebec, the province I live in, I started to grow deeply saddened and worried about the government and my fellow citizens. Let's start with my worries about the government. For one, I no longer believe that the government responsibly balances the health and wellness of the population with our rights and freedoms. The curfew meant that nobody was allowed outside of their residence after 8 p.m. and before 5 a.m. This was the first time that COVID restrictions had affected me personally, and that was what moved me to change my mind about the restrictions. I loved to take midnight walks to clear my head, to ponder, to walk off a big dinner, and to enjoy the fresh air. But all of these things became illegal over the course of three days and for no good reason. I also realized my privilege in this moment. I was able to defend the restrictions up until that point because I had largely been unaffected by them before. Most rights and freedoms are not absolute in that they can be limited. If you'd like to learn about which rights and freedoms are absolute, check out my podcast with Dr. Ryan Alford. For the rights and freedoms which are not absolute, I think that the Oaks test is a reasonable way for citizens to help decide how justifiable a law limiting a right truly is in a free and democratic society. The simple version of the Oaks test asks the government four questions once a law of theirs limits a right or freedom. First, is the government's objective pressing and substantial? Second, is the policy rationally connected to the objective? Third, is the government minimally impairing of the right or freedom in question? Fourth, is the limitation proportionate? Let's start with the first. Is the government's objective pressing and substantial? To answer this, I needed to figure out what the government's objective was. I thought it was to prevent the overflooding of our hospitals. But now I don't know. I tried to find written documentations on the Alberta or Quebec government's website resembling a plan explicitly saying that the goal was to flatten the curve. I couldn't find one. The lack of a plan is worrisome. Legally, the onus falls on the government to prove that their objective is pressing and substantial. More importantly, it means that we have no standards for when we will leave lockdowns if we have no plan. Why, for example, would we not bring back lockdowns every winter when hospitalizations peak due to the flu? I could not find what the government's objective was and thus had no idea whether it was pressing or substantial. The second question asks the government to rationally connect policy to a, their objective. When a government limits a right or freedom, the limitation should actually achieve the stated objective. I will assume that the objective is to not overwhelm our hospitals. But this is a big assumption, as there's been a lot of goalposts shifting from flatten the curve, to slow the spread, to stop the spread, to COVID zero. But the government itself does not believe that the curfew would lead to fewer hospitalizations. The day the government announced the curfew, the Minister of Health, 
Horacio Arruda, said that there is no proof that curfews actually work. What did he say was the curfew meant to accomplish? The government said that the curfew was a sign to show citizens that they were taking the pandemic seriously. They were using it as a way to communicate that they were taking the pandemic seriously. So perhaps the objective of government policy might be the communication that they are taking the pandemic seriously. The third question of the Oaks test. Is the government minimally impairing of the right or freedom in question? Well, a lawyer in Gatineau sued the government in response to the curfew. He assumed that stopping the spread of COVID-19 was the government's objective. He pointed out that walking outside alone after 8 p.m. would not spread COVID-19. Walking outside with someone you live with would not spread COVID-19. Driving alone would not spread COVID-19. Driving with someone you live with would not spread COVID-19. And therefore, the curfew was not minimally impairing. It should have made exceptions for these situations. Rights and freedoms should never be sacrificed in order to communicate something to your citizens. That is the reasoning of a Machiavellian prince. So no, the curfew is not minimally impairing. Not in my view, at least. The fourth question of the Oaks test asks whether the limitation is proportional or not. Well, we don't know what all of the harms from lockdowns will be, but I bet we'll only see the consequences reverberate as we live through them. How socially warped will kids born after 2010 be from the isolation? How many more allergies will we have to kowtow to now, seeing that we've wiped off every surface imaginable, not allowing young immune systems to grow? What are the effects of the anxiety and depression washing over teenagers? How many more people will be dying from cancer, heart disease, and other more preventable deaths? Will we have enough hospital beds to treat them all? Will businesses ever be able to recover from the debt they have taken on thanks to COVID, but more specifically lockdown restrictions? Will citizens have money to spend after this pandemic ends? Why hasn't a cost-benefit analysis been done by the government? If it has, why hasn't it been published? And lastly, are we doing everything we can to protect those most vulnerable to COVID-19, namely those who are older than 70, racialized, and poor? I don't think we have answers to any of these questions, and it's already been 11 months. I am not a lawyer, but it seems to me like the government has failed to publicly defend itself for each one of these four questions. In a court, if you fail at any one of them, you don't go on to the next step. The government loses the case. The government loses the case. But the fact that the government hasn't really answered any of these four questions is sad. It has led me to believe that they simply cannot be responsibly balancing the health and wellness of Canadians with our rights and freedoms. There seems to be no thought put into the restrictions, and therefore it's more likely than not that they have missed the mark when it comes to their success in this pandemic, both moral and health-wise. The government's failure to answer these questions was one reason I was so disheartened. The other was the cognitive dissonance of my fellow citizens. 
It's as if they think that the law does not apply to them. I asked one friend, who I went on a long walk with a few days after Christmas, what he thought about the government's restrictions. He said that they were necessary to stop the spread of COVID and generally agreed with them. But he then went on to tell me that for Christmas, he ate dinner with his girlfriend, her father, and her sister. All four of them lived in separate households. But under the law, you're allowed to have zero people from another household visit your home. I support his choice to eat Christmas dinner with his girlfriend and her family. But what bothered me the most was his cognitive dissonance. He did not see that his thoughts supported the law, but that his actions were civil disobedience. In Quebec, more broadly, 68% of people supported the curfew at the beginning of January, according to a poll done by the INSPQ. Now, on February 26, 2021, 74% of respondents support the curfew remaining in place. Sadly, only 29% of people agree that the government and the media exaggerate what is said and published about COVID. I think that we have a case of mass societal preference falsification. Listeners to this podcast will know that I was a proponent of lockdowns up until last December. When I was recording an episode with Dr. Matt Strauss, a signer of the Great Barrington Declaration, I disagreed with him. So what changed my mind? For one, a personal crisis. I needed to go make new friends in December because my living situation was unstable and mentally corrosive. However, making new friends was illegal. I wrote about this issue in a blog post called Should I Go Visit Philippe? where I looked at the ethics of breaking the law surrounding COVID. My conclusion was that the government has no right to tell me whether I can risk getting COVID or not, or whether my friends can risk getting COVID or not, if neither of us are likely to go to the hospital if we get COVID. That is the limit of the moral hazard. And that is where I drew the line for where government can restrict me in this pandemic. Another thing, I was myopically focused on COVID-19. I thought that spending every expense to prevent other people from getting COVID-19 was justified. And I thought that lockdowns were the best way to flatten the curve. But then I realized how myopic I was. One, most people who get COVID-19 don't go to the hospital. They stay at home and write out the symptoms. Right now, roughly 7% of everyone who has COVID is in hospital, but this is just a rough guess based on numbers from the government. It's not a, the real number is probably lower in that maybe 3% or 1% of everyone who gets COVID-19 will go to the hospital. I'm just reporting a static situation in Canada right now. Those who end up in hospitals are almost always 70 or older. And what this means is that if COVID cases go up, there is no necessary increase in hospitalizations or deaths as long as the young and the old don't mix. We should instead, and are currently failing to, 
protect those who are most vulnerable. We are concurrently destroying the ability for those who are healthy to earn a living and have a good life. So, who helped change my mind? A few voices stand out. One is David Freyhart, also known as Viva Frey. He's a lawyer and litigator turned YouTuber. His insistence in December that it is simply intolerable that governments be dictating who gets to come into his house or not for Christmas stirred my soul. Next, Jonathan Sumption. Lord Sumption is a former judge of the UK's highest court and a strong proponent of liberal democracy. He too found it intolerable that the government could decide who would come over for Christmas and was sad that people were complacent about having their rights removed. He suggested that an appropriate act of civil disobedience would be to visit your family over Christmas break. Third, David Redman. He was exceptionally clear about what our goal should be when it comes to this pandemic, and there are four. One, control the spread of the disease and reduce death by protecting those most vulnerable. Two, mitigate social disrupt disruption by making sure critical services continue. Three, minimize adverse economic impacts. Four, support an efficient and effective use of resources. Putting epidemiologists in charge of a response to the pandemic was and is a mistake because their focus is on preventing the spread of COVID-19 by minimizing case numbers instead of minimizing deaths in the most efficient way possible. Another thinker who influenced me to change my mind about lockdowns was Dr. Matt Strauss, one of the first signers of the Great Barrington Declaration, a courageous and forthright person, and a guest on this podcast just two episodes ago. I now support the Great Barrington Declaration. There was also John Carpe, who argued that hospitals should serve the public and that we've had overcrowded hospitals for years upon years now in his analysis of the pandemic, entitled Flying Blind. Lastly, there's Dr. Ari Jaffe, who showed that the purpose of healthcare is to maximize life years rather than lives. Lockdowns cost much more in life years than COVID costs in lives, and so therefore lockdowns are harmful. He will be the first guest of season two. So, I have decided that for the second season of Letters from a Contrarian, I will try and understand what is going on in our society and what has happened. I will be interviewing all of the philosophers, psychologists, sociologists, historians, lawyers, and anthropologists I can reach in an attempt to piece together what the hell has happened to our society, why we're doing what we're doing, and what we should be aiming for moving forward. Something else became clear to me after re-listening to many old episodes of Letters from a Contrarian. I learned that my niche and specialty is political philosophy. The thing I enjoy seeing the most is its relationship to institutions. Things like law, parliament, the courts, policy, they're all manifestations of philosophical principles. And if we aren't able to figure out why a policy is the way it is, we can at least try to ask the right questions. That's the little thing that I can do to bring a bit of clarity to this pandemic. 
so I'll henceforth be approaching topics from a political philosophy lens. It would be an absolute shame to not interview all of the contrarian scientists, doctors, and thinkers out there who've been marginalized and shunned, either from professional society or from broader society, because of their views as it relates to COVID-19. Unfortunately, this means that I'll be crossing over into the political at times. However, my goal is to keep this podcast as evergreen as possible. What this means is that, hopefully, the things that we uncover and talk about will be appreciated by a listener 5 years, 20 years, or even 50 years from now. I will try to speak about politics only to demonstrate a particular point, or to give an example of something, or to keep track of the law. I don't want this podcast to devolve into character attacks, struggle sessions, rants about the unfairness of government restrictions, or useless cynicism. One of the things that stood out for me in Letters from a Contrarian was how light-hearted many episodes were with laughter, joy, and hope. I hope that the conversations I have in Season 2 of Letters from a Contrarian will bring you some laughter, joy, and hope. Thanks for listening.